Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into DNVR Avalanche postgame show presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. We are back to talk about a pretty good Avalanche game. A lot of the things we touched on in the pregame, we'll break it down period by period, came to fruition. I'll say a lot of the things we talked about needing to happen in this game happened in this game. It's better than losing the game. They get the win, 6-3. to three. We're going to have somebody break it down into at least 60 seconds. I think AJ volunteered. Oh, yeah. I guess I also volunteered for that part, AJ too. is <laughs> doing a lot of heavy lifting in today's show. <laughs> so bear with us. Yeah. Are you ready? Three. Well, I'm fucking Two. not. One. So, not a great start to this one. Uh, they, get, they, they get outshot like 4 or 5 nothing. Before you really start to see the abs kind of figure it out. And then, boy, did they figure it out. First goal, Arturi Lekkinen. Goal interference, maybe? Is he in the crease? Maybe not? Either way, it stood. He gets the first goal. The abs get the much-needed power play goal. A 2-0 lead on their, on their third power play attempt of the first period. Get to a 2-0 lead. And really, from there, it's smooth sailing. You know, you get out, you build it out to three nothing, four nothing. Uh, going into the third period, you're up five to nothing, and you're kind of just chilling. And then they get that late goal at the end of the second, make it five one. You're not that worried about it. It gets a five two. Finishes at six three with a couple of goals back and forth in the third period that don't matter. Six three final two wins in a row. Let's go. Excellent work. It was a lot at the very end. <laughs> So I'll probably throw it to you then to start within the first period because yeah. that Lekkonen goal comes about around the five-minute mark, like mm-hmm. five minutes in. Is it that first five minutes that you take some issue with in the app's performance, how they start this period? I just wouldn't say – I wouldn't even say take issue with so much. Just that the, Detroit just kind of got some chances and the abs didn't. It wasn't super dangerous. It wasn't really loosey-goosey. It wasn't bad. Uh, it was just when you're – it's also like lack of trust, right? Because they have not played great hockey at the beginning of games going on several weeks. So um, when they get out, I think it's 4 nothing in shots. It's like really needed them to build on the Ottawa performance here. Yeah. We really wanted to see just a better, a, you know, a better start. And then they stopped messing around and – completely take over that control after the after that goal. Uh, they get they get the goalie interference call, goes their way on the challenge. 
Um, and then from there, it's all it's just running downhill. But yeah, it's it that first five minutes. I thought Detroit, they they came out with a little bit more jump, but it wasn't a substantial. It wasn't like they were running the abs. It was just. It ultimately ended up being pretty minor. So. Well, I think that's probably a little bit of scouting too, right? Like you've seen the Avs troubles over the last few games. It's like, let's come out here and have a hard push at the beginning. If we can get a goal, we can get in their heads and we can start to try to control this game, that's which can backfire. Yeah. That's been my issue with some of the Avs recent stretch of games too has been not respecting the competition and I think they got a handle of this a lot sooner in this game than we've seen in others and on the whole it plays out a lot like games that the Avs would win last year where they knew how to apply pressure as needed and so seeing them apply that pressure and getting this first goal which I guess is a little controversial because of the interference and the the coach's challenge but the way that this goal gets scored, I think, is a way that actually a few of these goals get scored. It's a lot of play on the perimeter that the Avs attack in the slot. And you look at where these goals get scored tonight, and it's almost entirely down the center of the ice. And I like the way that they utilize the perimeter. In this play, it's Taves and Makar uh, getting it to Lekkanen inside the slot, and he just takes advantage of that. And I think this is it really lended itself to the Avs tonight. Um, and allowed them to build a little bit of momentum because, as we know, what follows this goal is they have to go and kill a penalty shortly after, and they're able to successfully do this. Um, how did you feel about the penalty kill on the whole tonight? It was fine. Got the job done, you know. It was good. Um, yeah, I mean, it, for once you felt like there were no major no major breakdowns you know they're you're not giving up you don't have guys just standing alone in front of the net by themselves just like got the puck in the center of the ice three feet from your goalie you know you're not putting a guy a a goaltender in position to do much there um frankie for the second game in a row really gets put in a, a good position by the team in front of him um to you know he gets he just not to say they didn't have open looks but there were some but they are not three feet away. They're seven feet away, and they're one-on-one. They're clean. They're unscreened. He sees the puck. He's just fine. And outside of that first penalty kill, the Avs even draw a power play chance of their own. They don't capitalize on that one. But finally, this too-many-men call for Detroit gives Avs a power play chance. We talked about the Avs getting their power play in order in this game, and you can immediately see the impact that having Nachushkin on PP1 and then PP2 already starts to look better but it is pp1 that gets this one done you talked about the stars needing to eat tonight what did you see in this first power play goal more so what did you see in kill mccarr tonight uh i mean mccarr was he was kill mccarr you know he was really he was confident and he was moving the puck well and but the the power play as a whole you saw you mentioned pp2 you know almost scores new look almost scores on their second power play chance of the first period um they both looked, both of those units looked really good at the start of that. Those first two chances, they don't score. But, and, and you're like, boy, those units looked really good. Really wish they could get goals. And then eventually, PP1 does get the, the goal. Makar, um, uh, just the wrist, just that wrister that we've, it's, we have talked about the impact of having no Nachushkin and no Landeskog would have. On a guy like Kale McCarr specifically, with the, some of his point totals, 
because he's so good at getting it's not a big one timer, it's not Shea Weber here. It's it's a wrister through traffic that he can get that Landy and Nichus can do a great job providing screens and getting tips in front. You see it immediately on that unit. Nachushkin standing in front, goes in between his legs. Good job to a little hop from him. Um, a week ago, that probably just hits him in the nuts and everybody's miserable. <laughs> but that one, a little hop over the puck, and it goes in, and that it's just, when it works, it looks so easy. So you're like, wow, didn't take a lot here. You know, it's, it's why you're not trying to fire a power play coach when it goes through a bad stretch, because you're like, these guys are plenty capable of doing exactly that. Uh, and McCarr just driving that bus. You know, he looked really good from the back end. McKinnon is flying around all game long. Just make, he, was, he was impossible to defend today. The way that he's moving his feet, the way that he's playing with the puck, the vision and everything. That was, that was a Nathan McKinnon A-plus game. It, it, like, that's what we saw in the postseason. Just fantastic from, from McKinnon, fantastic from McCarr. The power play could have scored three or four goals today. It was that good. Yeah, on that first power play goal too. I mean, McKinnon out there again. That McKinnon Kale McCarr connection. <laughs> what a nightmare to try to game plan against because it's like you think you've got one guy shut down. Well, good luck because this other guy can do it as well. And, and then you have the guy that you don't mention is actually Colorado's leading scorer just hanging out over there. Yeah, pretty good unit. Yeah, it's funny. It's funny. You're like great. Great unit, right? Like, oh, yeah. Uh, but you just expect so much out of those guys because they are so talented. Yeah. And I think Val got the secondary assist on that, that first did. power play goal, didn't he? Yep. He did. I Both think back. Yeah. this is how things mentioned in the pregame immediately start to come to fruition. You talked <laughs> yeah. about the importance of the F starting this game on time and the addition of Anatushkin into the lineup. Yep. That's immediately felt. And you talked about the stars needing to eat. Mm -hmm. And... I'd definitely consider Lackanen a part of that. Kale McCarr, certainly. Mm -hmm. They yes. close out a first period where I thought they looked fine. I, I wouldn't say it was the most excellent period of their lives, but they mm -hmm. have a two-goal lead. And yeah, shots 10 it to 8. warrants so yeah. a goaltender switch. Is it uh, in the third period it, it comes? Mm -hmm. I think Huso switches out for Halberg. So the second period is where things really start to turn around for the oh. Avs. Yeah, the second period, and, and we had talked in, in the pregame, um, Detroit's second period is worse than their first. Yep. It's their worst period of, this, of, of uh, the year where they just give everything away. And the Avs, Detroit gave it all away. The Avs walked in and took all of it. And they, just a dominant performance in the second period. They just That's the killer instinct we saw out of the team last year that we've struggled to see in the last month where it's been so hard for them to win games. It's been so hard for them to get to that third goal. You know, they've had a couple two-goal leads disappear on them. It's been so hard for them to get to that third goal and really put a team down. And boy, did they ever do that in the second period today. You get McCarr scores early in the second period. Three minutes, it's, yeah. yeah. It's a 3 nothing lead, in the, and, and you're not even halfway through the game, and you're at 3 nothing. <laughs> Detroit has no momentum. They've got no mojo. They don't feel good about any of it right now. And the abs are like, great, we will just keep going. Because yeah. if you watch the first 10 minutes of that second period, it is decimation by the avalanche. They don't give up any ground. They see no meaningful chances. They're flying around. It, it looks like they're running the wheel play in basketball in their own zone. 
with every line that they throw out there. They're just dominating possession. And, you know, when you, you do get that uh, the, the second power play goal uh, from your second power play unit, you know, you're up 4 nothing. you're up 5 nothing. At that point, you're in, let's go into cruise control, don't make mistakes, we're fine. And if you're a Detroit fan, you're looking at this saying, after it got to 5 nothing, we outscored them 3-1. to one. Cool. <laughs> Going into this game, I had skepticism of the Avs being able to repeat a competitive performance like we saw in Ottawa. But the Makar goal that kicks off the second period suggests that they have done a lot of learning. And being able to get that within the first three minutes, I think, set them up for success then on the, the power play goal that follows. Yeah. And I think even seeing the confidence in Kale McCarr specifically on that goal in the second period early is the level of confidence I expect from Kale McCarr usually. Yeah. This is when Kale McCarr isn't being run dog at 30 minutes a night. He will step up into play and find Nathan McKinnon at the bottom of the circle and contribute in that way that he's able to pull up into play and yeah. contribute offensively. And I think that that is where you begin to see the uh, start to look like themselves again. And I think that getting power play goals too is another part of that from the second unit that we mm -hmm. talked about how seeing Newhook and Comfer step up there, but it's, it's Evan Rodriguez I want to talk about too. And the way that he sets up <laughs> Comfer on this power play goal in the second period, he honestly like, in his last 11 games has had at least a point in the last 11 and sometimes several, you know, couple point nights. And mm -hmm. that's the case tonight. He is someone who has consistently been able to produce for Colorado. Mm -hmm. How much does he mean in the success of this team and being able to win games like this? When you look at, there's a lot of one line teams in the NHL. A lot of teams that can throw out a top line where you're like, it's a pretty dangerous unit. Like those, those guys are pretty good. We've talked all year about the importance of how that second line unlocks everything the Avs do and how it had been holding them back that they had not been able to get consistent production from it. You add Nachushkin to that unit today and you watch the difference at 5v5. And you had mentioned um, the power play getting more confidence. And Bednar always likes to say that, that the power play is a reflection of a team's five-on-five. And you saw that today, more maybe more so than ever in any other game this year, how the Avs power play was dominant in creating chances and in scoring goals. And they were they were so good. And Erod, especially, if you you look at the two assists that he has today on the power play, just a great find uh, to to JT Comfer uh, on that back door, and then at even strength, just outworking guys down in the corner. For an identical goal, honestly, the, just that backdoor pass to Nathan yep. McKinnon, it's the same thing. It's, it's the same goal. Just one's at 5v4, one's at 5v5. And Erod, I mean, Erod, watching the difference that he makes, because that's a guy that is on your top line at 5v5, but is on your second line, uh, your second power play unit, doesn't matter. Produces with each of them. Yep. That, that creates just the nightmare scenario that other teams have been dreading with the Avs not healthy and them playing McKinnon, Rantanen, and Lekkinen together, you've had one line that you say, if we can survive these guys, we think we can survive the rest of them. And tonight, 
you know, I, I guess today and in the Ottawa game, you break up McKinnon, you break up Ranton in, you add Nachushkin in, you have a second line of uh, Val Nachushkin, JT Comfer, and Miko Ranton in. And it's like, so you have a guy that might be on his way to a 50 goal season, Val Nachushkin, who's been a point per game in the, in the limited time that he's played this year, and a guy having a career year in JT Comfer. That's your second line. Your first line is two guys on their way to 60-point seasons and career years in Lekkonen and Rodriguez and Nathan freaking McKinnon. And the impact of Erod just opening up. Erod and Nachushkin, but today specifically Erod, opening it up for those guys because now you can't send out Mo Sider and say, all right, go stop their three guys. Which three? (laughs) the closest I think we've seen a top six yeah. for this Avalanche team as it's constructed this year mm-hmm. begin to come together that I'd be curious if we were to do a temperature check compare after today's game compared to before Nachushkin returned. I mean, there was even a period of time where Evan Rodriguez was out briefly. Mm-hmm. I think people are rightfully feeling a lot better about this. Yeah, and remember there was a time in December where there was... Miko Rantanen was the only one of the top six of Colorado's preferred top six that was on the ice. Today was five of six. Yep. And look at the difference. Even when you get to three of six, people were like, well, they've still got those guys. They're still too easy to defend when you only have one of those lines. You put two of them together. And JT Confer, look, we don't think of him as a top six guy because his entire career has existed and we've been privy to it. But the way that he has played this season has been he has produced at a level commiserate with a low-end second-line player. He has done that job. And it's just amazing to see the difference when you get, especially a a two-way force like Nachushkin back, gets on the PK, and he's out there with Arturi Lekkanen, and you're like, Boy, not a lot happens with those fellas out there. It's not quite the same when you've got JT Confer and Andrew Cogliano and Logan O'Connor, who are all solid PK guys in their own right. You watch Val, you watch Lekkanen together, and then you see when they're on different lines at 5v5, but they impact the game in the same way. It makes it, it takes what's so hard to stop about Colorado's top line and copies and pastes it to its second line. Oh, you've got an elite talent. You've got a high-end grind guy. And you've got a really skilled guy as as your third guy that can help you out. That can shoot. That can score goals specifically. And with a little bit of playmaking. I think Erod's playmaking has been one of the big surprises to me this year. But you also have a guy in JT Comfort that has been able to make... He has been a bit of a playmaker at times in his career as the third banana on those lines. And they're they're the same. They're, They're the same line. An elite guy, a high-end two-way guy, and then the third guy that is skilled enough to hang. If I was just looking at... Changes everything. If I was looking just at Erod's play this year, you would label him a playmaker. That's what he's been known for this year. And it's it's great. It's what's been needed. And we've talked about this before, is breaking up the McKinnon-Rantanen into two different lines. That's your two most dangerous guys on offense... Now it's not just we have to worry about this one line. When you have five of the six going, you have to worry about those two lines. And it's not 
I mean, you can switch out who's going to be one and two there. I think that's one thing that has made Evan Rodriguez dangerous is giving the illusion of safety. Like in the play that allows the Nathan McKinnon breakaway goal, it's Evan Rodriguez and a combination of Taves uh, getting the puck broken up in their own end when Detroit feels the illusion of safety that they're in control of this moment and it's Nathan McKinnon engaging in that play and just running away with that puck. But it starts with Taves and Rodriguez in the other end. And I don't want to get too carried away on the breakaway goal first because I think we have to take a break first. I was trying to figure out how to work illusion of safety into our, into our newest sponsor of Bacchus and Shanker. Uh, when, they, when they came on board as a sponsor, Rudo and I got excited because we're like, these guys sponsor everybody. Like, this is how you know you've made it in Colorado. Because Bacchus and Shanker is everywhere. They are like the injury like law firm in Colorado that you turn to when you have any kind of an injury issue uh they <laughs> it says 25 years that they've been at this and i think about that and i'm like so you guys started doing this when i was 10 like a wee lad just trying to enjoy my first stanley cup run bacchus and shanker was 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 the injury law firm of colorado back then some things that some things that i did not know that i have learned about them in the last day uh they don't charge you any money there no fees no any of that until they win a case for you and that's how they keep their lights on because obviously they will then get paid but i thought that was pretty cool no upfront fee to talk about your case to see if if there's any you know the check viability of it whatever and these are all concerns that people like me have where I'm like, I don't have a lot of money. I think I've got a case here. I think I've been wronged in some way. I'm hurt. I'm, I've got a problem here and no fees while they work on it. No upfront stuff. Like this is all stuff that speaks to like my soul, right? Where I'm like, if I think I've been wronged, I want somebody to help me out. Somebody that's not going to charge me money. I, it, it's just a huge thing for me. Uh, in those 25 years, they have won over a billion dollars for their clients. And maybe my favorite part of this, they have an easy phone number. 222-22-22. That's it? That's it, man. Just some twos. That's it. That's all. You just call that phone number. You set up your consultation with Bacchus and Schenker. They help with all kinds of injury cases where you're not at fault. Car accidents, motorcycles, pedestrian trucks. We talked about it before the show. Rideshare incidents. Something that you don't think there's a market for until there's a market for it. <laughs> they can help if you're even injured at work. Not something that we often have to deal with, although it seems like one of us is always on the IR. But find out if you have a case for free. Bacchus and Schenker wins. Kids, just press two for a while. <laughs> yeah. Just press two for a while. That's what I'm That's saying, true. man. You don't even have to know how many twos there are. Just keep pushing two. Bacchus and Schenker will be like, oh, you, you're looking for some money? We're the peeps to help you out. Man, the apps could use that, too. If you are also looking for some money, DraftKings. Hmm. Our friends at DraftKings. Scrolling, scrolling. I see. <laughs> I don't watch it much anymore, but uh, NFL Divisional Round coming up. I know that they've still got the one game tonight. Uh, Tampa Bay and, and, Dallas. and Dallas. Pretty good Monday night game, actually, for a for a postseason. Yeah. But 
It feels like the NFL playoffs go by really, really quickly. Uh, but you can make really good money on that. Uh, if you're not trying to get money out of an injury lawsuit, trying to get money out of DraftKings instead. Nice. Uh, betting on the NFL postseason is a pretty good way to do it. Uh, new customers can bet $5 and get $200 in free bets instantly. That's how I got into it. That's how they converted me into a DGen. They gave me free money. It was great. I appreciate. I, I appreciated that. Uh, all new and existing com- customers can take a shot and an even bigger payout uh, with their stepped-up same-game parlays. I hate these offers because they're so tempting, but it's a chance to make some serious money. Boost your NFL winnings with each leg. You add up to 100%. Uh, I don't know how anybody bets against Tom Brady at this point in his career. Uh, I to Going into tonight, you've got a historically failed franchise in the postseason in Dallas. Against Tom Brady, the winner of all winners. So, good luck with that. Wow. All right. Yeah. So, if you're trying to lose money, go ahead and uh, bet against Tom Brady. Uh, (laughs) Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Use code DNVR. Wonderful. Yeah. We... We were already also, like... Also, real quick, uh, minimum age and eligibility uh, restrictions apply. See show notes for history. Gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700. Super It takes important. a village. Super important. It takes a village. Look. There are <laughs> rules here. Great call out. Do you have a DK pick of the week, AJ? Yeah, my DK pick of the week is I'm picking the Cincinnati Bengals to upset Buffalo next week in Buffalo. I think Joe Burrow, I think Joe Burrow is that guy. Wow. And I think I think the Bengals were on their way to waxing Buffalo in the regular season wow, matchup that, that had to be postponed. Take. Yeah. Uh you got plus odds on them right now, so I think I would take them. I am in on the Bengals being for real. I'm in on Joe Burrow being for real. I think I just think he's the man. So that's my that's my DraftKings pick of the week since I had to pick one. <sighs> I mean, it was, it was weird because yeah. earlier you are talking about the Chiefs as just a lock. Stop. <laughs> I tried so hard to talk myself into picking Trevor Lawrence to beat Pat Mahomes in Kansas City, but I'm not going to try and recommend to people to lose money like that. So, I mean, the, that's, yeah, that's a take. Buffalo losing in this round, but yeah, all right, okay, let's go. <laughs> all right, we're already into the second period of the DNVR post-game show. We talked a little about that first Nathan McKinnon goal. Um, we'll get into the third period in a second, but the Avs do allow a goal against uh, at the end of that second period. Andrew Kopp, just a shot from the right circle. I don't even think that there's a lot of traffic. Like, Comfort tries to get in that shooting lane. England is at the nut front in an attempt to also be a big-bodied presence there. I don't think he specifically screens Francois there either. I think it's just a good shot from the right circle that... He doesn't track too well. May or may not have been interference. May or may not have been interference. Yep. Oh, is that the one with the two guys yes. in the crease, basically? We did not talk about the first interference call, but just, just really quick, how did you guys feel about it? I mean, who knows anymore? But it I'm was... Just, I'm just well, curious okay, so I can all. I can understand, like, because it's outside of the paint, mm-hmm. basically a goalie is just another player. Yeah. It's still kind of trippy looking when your skate goes behind the goalie's skate. Yeah. You know, that connection. I mean, I for sure thought it was getting called back. Megan? I had no issue with it. I thought Mm -hmm. that the tripping happens outside of the crease and he's literally interfered with, but it happens outside of the crease. The contact is outside of the crease ever so slightly. Both skates outside of it that 
I had no issue with the challenge being unsuccessful. I do feel a little bad for Detroit than going on the penalty kill as a result because I think it was a fair question to yeah. ask and yeah. to look into. So I see the merit of it completely, but I think it was a good call. Yeah, the, the two things that I think combined it for me um, to, to say no is that McKinnon never looks down. So he doesn't know the skate behind the goalie skate. Mm-hmm. He's not doing it intentionally. Right. He is he is fighting through traffic with a defender. And then Huso's out of the paint. You could totally understand initiated contact by players when goalies are in the paint. That's interference with a guy trying to do his job. He's outside the paint. And he's being really aggressive at the very top of his crease. Um, and for so for me, I think that was... I, that was the big difference for me. I also, if I was Detroit's head coach, I would have challenged it. Yeah. Because I'm not trying to give up goals to Colorado five minutes into games. And if I do, I think it's going to go poorly, and I don't worry too much about the PK, which ended up not mattering. Well, and if you, so, and anyway. if you, if you look at the Avalanche uh, just history and luck this year, <laughs> you would have been like, yeah, this is going to come back. It's going to go for us this time. I think the the abs passed on their bad luck. If you believe in bad luck, because we know the person sitting over there doesn't pass it on to Detroit today. Was it Rudo who was tweeting about the Ben Myers weird tip and goal from way earlier in the season in Minnesota, like absorbing a lot of the abs good luck that they had a <laughs> debt to pay and it's finally been paid off. And today was sort of the game where we see that come to fruition that the abs have regained a little bit of luck. Boy, if karma is credit card debt, I'm out. <laughs> I already live in a country that's trying to get me to go into debt every time I do anything, anything with my life. Trying to pay off karmic debt, too, is just exhausting. But if the abs did it, then great. I feel like, too, like, where's Ben Myers' luck personally in this equation? Because I do feel like he also absorbed a lot of luck on that one goal and has been searching for his own individual luck. Uh, People who hung out with me while I was cutting up Studs and Duds film the other day know that I created a new playlist called will ben myers ever score (laughs) where i add in close calls from ben myers because i just want to see what this thing looks like he's gonna score a goal someday right you assume he does and it's gonna be really fun when he does because i can post all these missed opportunities but my goodness the guy snake bit as can be and you look at how this was a problem plaguing the whole team for a good amount of time that you hope in the way that it has kind of started to come together for New Hook, that it'll come together for a guy like Ben Myers. Eventually, you talked about the way in which a player like Natushkin coming back into the lineup has a trickle-down effect. Yep. You hope that also will have a trickle-down effect eventually for a player like Ben Myers, who mm-hmm. well, is it's just, buried in yeah, their depth right now. It's because the matchups are then set the right way, where like when you're going out against guys, you're, you're not being asked to play above your 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 weight level, right? Hopefully you're getting matched up, especially when you're a line three, line four guys, you're getting matched up in places that you should be able to succeed and do your job the correct way. The thing with Myers, though, is that tonight or today, he's got Anton Bleed and a rotating guy. Yeah. And then he plays more than Bleed does. So you're talking about Ben Myers is now just kind of existing in his own special Ben Myers universe right now. (laughs) Tough for a guy to develop chemistry and develop a comfort with a role where it's that inconsistent it, shift to shift, not even game to game. Yeah. So uh, I do think, you know, 
I feel good about Ben Myers moving forward and all that, but I do feel bad for him. Uh, not only just the bad luck accumulated, as you mentioned, but just that <laughs> he's got to feel kind of like he's not getting a lot of help right now. He hasn't yeah. been put in the best position yeah. to succeed, but there has been a learning curve for him too. You look at those first few games that he got into and there is a difference in how he plays now that has improved positively, but I want to bring us into the third period soon, but I wanted to touch on Anton Bleed since we are in this room and our overall assessment of his game tonight. Non-existent. I mean, it, it, there's just not enough. There's not enough tape on him because he's not playing enough. Oh, half I, his, I just, I just half don't of his game like, is in the third period. Half of his ice time comes in the third. Yeah, which, when the game is five-one, like. I mean, do you want to look and see how good he dusted off the bench? Like, yeah, that, that it sucks. Quiet. It's, I mean, it's it's a it's a harsh criticism to ask how he dusted off the bench, but yeah, <laughs> I think I mean it's you're in that situation, and uh, again, I think you know it's a lot it's, it's a lot easier to be comfortable with coaching decisions you don't like when you're winning 7 nothing and 6-2. Sure. But when you go 11-7 and then you choose to more play 9-7 and seven because Myers and I mean you're talking 7 minutes here of ice time for, for both of those guys. You're you're That's 53 minutes of a regulation game that you're rolling three lines. That is not insignificant. That's wear and tear on your forwards yeah. where we've been talking about the trying to lighten the load of wear and tear on Taves and Makar in particular. Well, with the 7D alignment, they've done that. But now they've transferred that wear and tear where the it's good that both of these games have been blowouts because they've been able to just roll lines. But that, that additional wear and tear will get transferred to your forwards in a competitive game. They've gotten away with the 11-7 because of blowouts. They've, it's really been 9-7 and seven that they've gotten away with it because of the blowouts. But this is... Like, you're playing with a different kind of fire. You're trying to wear different guys out. And I understand that there's some juggling here of, you know, you're getting your defense is, a little, is getting a little fresher. And look at the results that they've produced yeah. in two games. You reduce their ice time. You know, chicken and the egg, right? Did did they produce better because they had reduced ice time? Did they have ice time reduced because they were producing better? You got six points out of your defense again in this game. Your top pairing gives you four of those, I think. Five, six. Five of those. Gerard had the other one. Gerard. So you're, I mean, you are, you are talking about, uh, you've helped that part of it. It badly, they badly needed to find an answer to that minute, to that usage, which was causing problems. Now you wonder, have they just created a different problem? Now, again, non-competitive games are really helping them right now. Yeah. If they get into a competitive game, will they already, uh, will they do it again? You know, will they, how will they handle that? I think is Jared Bednar's next big question. But if you won't use a guy until the game is 5-1, why is Anton Bleed here? That's what makes it difficult to answer is what is going on with their depth and the potential loss of Helm might not be a temporary problem, so they'll need a more permanent solution. And it just doesn't seem like a player sheltered seven minutes a night 
and has no visibility on ice has any positive impact on the game that it is going to take a toll then on your forward group over time. Yeah. Before, well, oh, sorry. And, and no, and just seven minutes and basically what was, you know, a blowout to begin with yeah. until the third period where they just scored meaningless goals. Like you're saying, if it's a two goal game, a one goal game. Yeah. That's not seven minutes. You're sub that's five minutes. three. Yeah. That's not good. Because now you're just talking about it. Just It compiles on with everyone that is playing. So, like, what is the answer there? Like, you have to have somebody that you can trust to play the, you know, eight, nine, ten minutes that you want from those guys that they're just not getting right now. They, they had some opportunity with Cal. I feel like he was at least in double digits consistently. But... I didn't mean to derail it. All right. No, so I just, my frustration with the Cal thing is, is once again, I just feel like what he does does not matter because it, he's fine. He's, he's inoffensive at, at, at worst. He's been inoffensive. He's not driving a ton of plays, obviously not scoring. He's not, it's not like he's having some in, you know, inescapable impact that you just had to keep around. That certainly wasn't the case either. But he in no way is hurting, was hurting them. Very, very, very little bad was happening. And I'm not sitting here pounding the table to have kept Martin Kaut, but in what way did he not earn any trust that Anton Bleed coming up here and can barely get into a, a blowout is making any sense whatsoever? Mm-hmm. How are you not better off just riding with what you have with, with Martin Kaut? Yeah. Like, just, just there's no harm in just, just give him the damn job. And let him just continue to do his thing. He's not hurting you. He could have helped. He, you'd love for that guy to help you more. But you could say that about Logan O'Connor. You could say that about Ben Myers. It wasn't a Martin Kaut specific thing. But we're seeing once again that it feels like Martin Kaut is just that fall guy. Like they had already just decided that he's not part of it. And we're looking for an excuse to maybe not keep him around. And okay, well, now we're going to switch it up. And, and it, now you're going 11 and 7. And you're like, well, we don't trust him. Well, he didn't even trust Anton Bleed in a in a five one hockey game. Well, to that point, right, is like if you don't feel comfortable with Martin Kaut, that's trade material. So you should be showing him off. Well, and, and, and there's obviously not going to be much trade demand. He's passed through waivers twice this year. That's true. So teams teams could have had shots at him. So it's just not. Uh, I, I'm not even sitting here saying bring back Martin Kaut. I'm just saying, what's the goal here? What's the function of this player? What's this role yeah. that they're trying to? What, what are they? What are they looking for from one of these guys? Because if it was speed and skating and, and some of that tryhard, you've got Jean Luc Foudy and Charles Houdon right there who give you that. If it's a smart defensive player that you feel like you can trust and maybe put on a PK if you really needed to, Cal did that for you. He had been doing that for you. It's just not. It's not world beater material. It's none of those guys have demanded to stay. None of those guys have have made an individual argument of they have to be kept. But it just it. My only question is, what's the what are you trying to accomplish? Because most of the time, even if I disagree with a decision, I ask that question, and I can if I see an answer, I get where they're coming from. Doesn't matter how I feel about it. They at least are, they, they can say, "Hey, this is what we're trying to accomplish." Yeah. What are they trying to accomplish with this last guy here? Because Martin Cow wasn't doing it for him. Fine, it's their prerogative to look around. 
They don't even trust Anton Bleed in a game that's out of hand. They won't even play him anywhere near. He got over half of his time tonight was when the game was already decided. If you get into a competitive game with an 11-7 alignment, what are you going to do with a guy that you have that little faith in? It just seems... What are you trying to accomplish? Well, and especially just think about the future of what you're seeing at the end of this week, right? Like you have... You're traveling to Calgary. Yeah. Then you've got a game Friday and Saturday night. You have a scheduled loss Saturday night against a Seattle Kraken team that can't stop scoring goals, suddenly has a decent goaltender in Martin Jones, and is sitting there not playing on Friday. You have a scheduled loss on Saturday. So you need to make the most of Calgary and Vancouver. Those become much more important games if you just pencil in that L on Saturday. Now, if you get the win, hells yeah. But for right now, you look at it, you look at the situation, it's a scheduled It's a scheduled loss based on what we know about how games results in things like rest and travel, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So a scheduled loss is, is on your schedule this week. You need to find an answer to that question before you get to that game because those these makes the other two games this week really important. Yep. All right, before we move on to the third period. Oh, yeah, I've got to do this, too. We've got one (laughs) more crack at it before we take a crack at the Kraken. I don't know. I don't know about you guys, but I like delivery services. Uh, I think they have been really good for somebody that has a lot of social anxiety about going out in public and not being like being around people. One of the things that I really don't like going to is the dispensary. Uh, and has probably increased my feedback loop of anxiety because I don't like going to the dispensary. (laughs) With Jive Hive, one of our newest sponsors, the dispensary comes to you. It's essentially a delivery service for weed. God, I love living in Colorado. Just incredible, right? And JiveHive.com, it's Jive, like J-I-V-E, H-Y-V-E.com. Not all highs are created equal. That's in quotes. <laughs> it's got convenience. Obviously, it's a delivery service. And one of the things people don't like about delivery services is pricing can be a problem. Yeah. Pricing on it is really reasonable. I looked into this because I immediately would like to begin using the service of like, hey, please deliver weed to my house so that I it, it can help me. Honestly, it can help me sleep because uh, that's what happens when I get high. I get sleepy. <laughs> um, the great uh, the other the other part about this is that you it's it's a privacy thing, right? Yeah. I think there are products that we have all purchased in public. We don't necessarily want other people to know about. For me, weed has always been on that list. I grew up in Texas, guys. Like, come on, there's a stigma there. I don't want people knowing I got weed in my house. So that's great. Some of these points are kind of dumb. I'm not going to continue to go through them, but. It really is great for somebody like me uh, that uh, has anxiety and, and really is like, you know, getting things like alcohol delivered, weed delivered. That that availability is a unique thing in Colorado that means a lot to a person like me whose life got exponentially better when I had to stop going to grocery stores. <laughs> so uh, JiveHive.com, a thing that I am really, really excited to, to use. Uh, you can get your order delivered on the same day, which I think is wonderful, uh, or obviously schedule delivery window to, to your convenience, et cetera, et cetera. It serves Aurora, Greenwood Village, Monument Fountain, and various areas of El Paso 
County. That's jivehive.com. J I V E H Y V E. I don't remember the last read I'm supposed to do. I'm pretty sure it's American Raptors. I think it is. So, and it's also not the last one. Um, but American Raptors, I mean, <laughs> getting out to Glendale for a rugby experience in the spring, I'm really excited for Z to move here because it's like, it's a free activity. It's something to do. For me, it's a sport, so I, I instantly care about it more than I do the Butterfly Pavilion. Sorry, babe. <laughs> uh, but it is it is one of those things uh, that you can do for free, and you get to see high level high level rugby where the American Raptors have been pretty dedicated to taking athletes from other sports and turning them into professional rugby players. A phenomenal concept that I I, I find so interesting. Um, that's what they're that's what they're doing out at Infinity Park. Like that's that's their whole thing. Um, they are part of the uh, Columbia Rugby Federation. It's a new league. Uh, it's intercontinental competition featuring six teams from South America. Let's go. I okay. I mean, it's I don't care who they play. I just want to go watch them play. So great. I'm I'm glad. Um, six matches at home. Six matches on the road. Again, free tickets to all home matches. Our guy Colton Strickler has been covering them ever since our association with the Raptors began at the very start of the pandemic, which was great for us. Um, you got to stay up with all the news around the Raptors moves uh, to the brand new Super Rugby Americas by following along DNVR underscore rugby. Colton still pumping out. I haven't seen him in forever, but I see his name all the time because he's still pumping out content. He has unparalleled access to the rugby world uh, in terms of interviews and podcasts and everything. I'm, I'm, I'm incredibly jealous of the access that he gets. It's tremendous. We think what Megan has done with the Eagles has been revolutionary for us and for Avalanche coverage in general. Colton blows us all out of the water uh, with the rugby world. He's got them on speed dial. Colton is, is kind of like the Elliot Friedman of the rugby world. <laughs> like he's just, just, he picks up his phone and gets whatever the hell he yeah. wants. Jealous. Uh, am I done? Do I have one more? Do I have? Is it? Is it Breck Brew? Breck Brew. I wondered if it was our oldest and f most favoritestest and bestest and nicest and most handsomest and cutest partner ever in Breckenridge oh. Brewery. So, not that all the other partners aren't also adorable and cutie pies of their own, but I mean, we go way back with Breck Brew. Uh, if anybody was here for the throwback party the other day, looked. Very cool. It, I was so like torn between I would love to be there and I'm a social pariah who should probably not be around other people in general. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, did not did not come uh, to that. But still, um, they look like they had a blast. Dude, they're, the, the, the beer tower in the corner of the bar yeah. uh, with the brand new uh, Nuggets beer. With the uh, Skyline logo on it. Oh, yeah. my gosh. It's that one, right? Yeah. Right Mile there. High That's City Golden Ale. It is the Mile High City Golden Ale. Gorgeous. A great name. I I just think it's a great name. And a great look. Literally, I'm probably going to take this box home <laughs> so I can just have it. Um, yeah. Breckenridge Brewery. You know, you guys know all their stuff. The, the breckbrew.com, the beer locator. Is great. Uh, a lot of people hit us up and talk about, oh, I found this beer in 
You know, we've we've now got some bread brew out in Hawaii getting found nice. by some of our peeps out there. So we have we have left the intercontinental the the forty eight. We have expanded. Alaska is still waiting, uh, but Hawaii you can at least get a brick brew. So you know, brick brew is the shit. I think I'm done. He gave me a thumbs up. No, that was excellent. And I think <laughs> teamwork. Looking at the pace of this game, the third period should be. She's on with it. A little bit easier to talk about. So it what it a op- transition. Well, what a transition actually they. Great read, but the pace. (laughs) But we got a show to do, guys. All right, so they pull their goaltender, and they transition and bring Helberg in net. Huso allowed five goals and 22 shots. But it's Detroit who actually kicks off the scoring in the third period of the Ben Chirac goal. It's that weird 4v4 play that get Like, in some ways, it was fortunate that Rodriguez originally was going to be the only one going to the box, and then Mm. Rasmussen couldn't help himself. And is it Rasmussen? Yeah. The way we giggled is like, she's wrong. No, we had this conversation we during the, the game. Yeah. We were talking about it, and so I was like, you Did you guys go. ever watch Anastasia? Yeah. And wasn't the villain in that Rasputin? Yes. Okay, it's just feeling very villainly yeah. um, with Rasmussen and this 4v4 where he just it got a little bit too chippy, and then they score on the subsequent 4v4 play. Um, yeah. Big brain play. No, he got them, he got them the goal. It, it it really it stinks um, the way that this goal gets scored too because I I know yeah. I criticized Franco's in that second period goal and someone in chat I think took issue with my criticism of that one goal specifically as if it's not our job to talk about goals against but you also go. you uh, go when you have a when you have a problem with a goaltender on that first goal against isn't your bigger problem with Andreas England and Eric Johnson allowing two guys in your crease? Well, yeah, it's like, what the right, hell are you doing? England's up at the end front. He's there to do, to, to defend it, but he just, it didn't, it well, didn't work. Those two guys specifically, that's 13 feet of beefcake. Move some bodies out of your crease. When I see Francois like looking to see maybe was it interference, was it not? I almost feel like he's even looking at England. Like, what are we doing? Yeah. To be fair to Francois in that moment specifically, but he definitely is looking at the newest member of Team Male Bottle and saying, "You can't just be pretty. We the, need you to. We need you, you to be tougher than they this. have history. This is who runs him behind the net at a, a much in, earlier in Carolina. Yeah. So I forgot. That's true. He's so he's like, his, "What he's are we looking at England? Like, <laughs> what is your deal?" So, anyways. So, so now you're done running into me. You're gonna let other guys do it. Yeah. So. Anyways, I I had, bad, I had my criticisms of Fritzos, but like I had criticisms for everyone, I yeah. think. It's so, all right, Chiraco, we're back into the third period. It's just... The second goal is just Frankie. There's just not a lot of traffic on this one specifically and less reason to point to, you know, people around you for interference reasons. Mm-hmm. That is one that is a little bit more difficult to see, um, but it was just a weird situation of hockey altogether. It's 13 just, feet of beefcake. Well, so like... They win two face-offs in identical fashion. Francois makes a stop on the first one. Doesn't on the second one. I'm happy with the performance Francois had tonight, too. Like, yeah. some, I think at least two of the goals I, I maybe would have liked back um, for him. And the Avs put up a dominant performance and actually give him goal support, which is so helpful that I don't have a huge issue. Like, it was just good enough in my opinion. Did you mm-hmm. have any issue with Francois? I mean, no, I didn't, but you knew the goals were going to come. Like, if you watched, you know, we were watching the whole game, Detroit had chances. Mm. And they just had, for once, 
the Avs had like the puck luck today. Was it and then, right before the fifth goal? They yeah, hit the post. And they hit a post. Like, there were some, some tips. Yeah. There was one that goes off the post, off of Frankie's mm. back of his helmet, and goes wide of the net mm. in the second period. So, I mean, they were getting their chances, so you knew that this was going to come. And there was a breakdown. Like, I, I believe that second goal was that the second goal where it was underneath his glove? Is that the. Yeah, that's the one. That's the bench rot from the point. Yeah, There's yeah. No that, traffic. And it just. That's it just, just a bad goal. He's a little too deep in his net for yeah. a guy for a guy that's trying to track a puck that uh, is coming from the blue line uh, right off a of faceoff win. Mm-hmm. It's not like he had to go cross, you know, cross crease or anything. He's, you know, he's lined up on the diagonal on the faceoff, and all he has to do is just transition, um, you know about eight inches to his left to be in position for that shot. He just gets beat by it. Just gets yeah. beat clean. Yep. Those are the goals where you see the you see with Frankie, you're like, oh, he's really 5'10". He doesn't have the really long arms and legs to just get to a puck like that yeah. as easily as a guy like in Alexander Georgiev will because athletically he can totally get there. Uh, but really, I thought he was probably a little bit too deep. He didn't read it very well. It just did, it just wasn't it did not feel very well played by Franco's. Uh, and that's not a goal that should really be given up. You, we when we saw it on replay, uh, we were both a little like, ooh, yeah, because we wanted to see the level of traffic. We wanted to see what kind of shot it was. On live, it happened. It happened a certain way, but when you watch that replay, you're like, you really do want to save on those. Yeah. The goals from distance were the ones that I crushed Georgiev the hardest for. It's gonna be the same thing with Frankie. I didn't have a problem overall with Frankie's game. That goal, though, sucks. <laughs> I give him a call out, too. He makes 26 of 29 saves on the penalty kill. There's two. He makes four saves total, which really did help the Avs. Like, I thought the penalty kill was fine, but I didn't think it was one of their strengths tonight. And so I think they just get by. And Franco's coming up in some of those big moments is important mm-hmm. to keep them in mm-hmm. this game. And then, too, the response in the third period almost two minutes later is this Nathan McKinnon breakaway goal <laughs> where we talk about the illusion of safety in the second period. This was an even worse illusion of safety because Detroit's in the Avs' defensive zone when this play gets started, and Nathan McKinnon just engages. He attacks, and he quite literally breaks away with the puck and does things that you never should allow a player like Nathan McKinnon to do. I want the cartoon sound of yoink as he's skating through those guys. Yoink, I'll take that puck from you. It felt felt like a, a Wiley Coyote bit. Yeah. Because you're watching, I mean, these clown shoes fumbling the puck right outside their zone with Nathan McKinnon just like, and Nathan McKinnon just goes in and like lunch monies them, takes the puck, and then he's just like, this this is the easiest thing I've ever done. <laughs> and he walks in and, and goes glove on a guy that, uh, you know, uh, I don't know how a goaltender on a breakaway does not know that Nathan McKinnon's going glove. Like you should just there are two things that you should absolutely know about Avalanche players on breakaways. Artori Lekinen's going five hole and Nathan McKinnon's going high glove. That's it. Neither one of them make moves. Yeah. Doesn't matter where the puck is for McKinnon, he's yeah. going top. That's what he wants yeah. to do. That's where he wants to put it, the little wrist shot up there. He's practiced it. He's probably scored half his NHL goals like that. And that's, with that what he, does. he is our king of the game as well. Our DraftKings. Sportsbook King, King of the Game. game. Presented by DraftKings, just in case you didn't know. <laughs> and you see how big that crown is? We were talking about how he should get the little crown after the token King of the Game against Chicago. Big crown day for Mac. Ooh. Solid Nathan McKinnon game. And he won it on that last, that play right there. Yep. 
It was, was it was in debate. We were having a conversation <laughs> about it. We were like, uh, we should get it, man. We were, we were having the Val Nachushkin vibes king of the game conversation. And then Kale. Yep. And then McKinnon with that was like, yep, yep that's his. And then he did that, and you're like, wheel. Even just like, oh, Val Nachushkin back in the lineup. He has such an imposing net front presence. Do you want to throw it to a guy like that? There was an argument to be made there, but then Nathan McKinnon yeah. did that, so... It just didn't even And a matter. bunch of guys that had A games, then a guy does a thing that has an A-plus game. You know? like, <laughs> sucks for those other fellas. Did you say the big dog's got to eat earlier? I'm trying to remember your exact verbiage. Something like that, But yeah. the big dog. D-O-double-G. Yeah, Col- I mean, Colorado Stars got to eat was I'd, my whole thing. I'd say it was almost formulaic in the way that they did everything that we said that they should do. Yeah. It was straight up Garfield with some lasagna. Like, just devoured Detroit the way that we said they should. And the way this third period closes out isn't dominant, but the Avs earned that, I would say, um, in allowing themselves to let off the gas just a little bit because I think they had applied okay pressure first, incredible pressure second, like might be my favorite period from them, and then third was just enough, um, especially following this Nathan McKinnon goal. I don't know if you feel the same in that assessment of how this third period ends, but that's where I feel like they began to resemble the Avs of late last season that mm-hmm. were able to do this at will because they had earned the confidence to do that. Yeah. And it was sort of comforting to see them look like this. So kind of your assessment of the third period as a whole. I think when it gets to 5-2, there is, there is that little thing in the back of your mind where you're like, look, one more break, one more bounce, and you're in a two-goal game in the third period in the, in the NHL. This is a thing. More multi-goal leads have disappo- disappeared this year than any other in recent NHL history. Like, you're talking about it, one more play, you feel really uncomfortable. So with getting to 5-2, you're still like, it's 5-2. But you are like, you know, you do want to see them kind of finish it out strong. McKinnon makes that play. Singularly great play, great individual effort. It gets to 6-2, and you are home free. Yeah. They give up a goal, the 6-3 goal, the David Perron tip. It happens with like a minute left. Oh yeah, it's like 34 seconds Do left. Do you give a shit at all about that? Absolutely not. Good for David Perron. He's got to keep cash and checks somehow, and all of his goals come against Colorado. So, hooray, Darth Vader. The I love the tent <laughs> advisor. I think more dudes need to embrace their inner villain, the inner Sith Lord. And uh, go with the tent advisor like that, because I do think that it makes for great villainy. And sports need villains. Sports, sports need villains. Rasmussen. Yeah, that guy, just name-wise, yes. I feel bad he really didn't do anything other than just having this name. And then hitting Rodriguez was also yeah. pretty... Petulant little punk. Yeah, honestly, like, I just... <laughs> I don't know. Rodriguez seems so very nice. Be a grown-up. Do you have any final thoughts about the third period as we begin winding down. I mean, it's just human nature for to just to let off the gas, right? Like, they were up by a lot. They were taking it, basically, to Detroit on shots on net, just controlling the puck. They let off the gas. I mean, they got outshot in the third period, but that's to, you know, I think you summed it up perfectly. Like, you get to 6-2, they score another one, who cares? Yeah. That's Detroit trying to crawl back into it. Like, yeah. I'm not surprised yeah. either to see that effort yeah. from Detroit in that period and the Avs mitigating how comfortable they feel. Also, it should be noted that Detroit does the majority of their goal scoring in the third period. For a team that spends a lot of time trailing, no big surprise. Yeah. They score a lot of goals that are, well, we scored one. Go team. <laughs> not super meaningful. 
So, because we had talked in the pregame about first and second periods, they get rocked a lot, and then they try and get it all right back at the third. Well, when you're down five nothing, man, there's like a certain player that they could have like picked up that fits that that model of just scoring goals in the third period that don't matter. We've, ta- <laughs> We've talked about I'll, this before. I won't, I won't name him. It's you like, can guess. Whether you believe in clutch or not, there's definitely the opposite of that, where someone just contributes at inopportune times yeah, that garbage, have garbage no meaning, goals. no bearing yeah. over the outcome of the game. But you know what will always be meaningful? Our super chats. <laughs> Hell yeah. Oh, wow, what a transition. Look at that. <laughs> Watch so, out, Rudo. <laughs> that was sick. <laughs> From Degro Hydro, no Macro Macar hat trick, sad face. So close. Yeah, we had Spencer come downstairs today, uh, our events coordinator, Spencer, uh, and say, we getting a hattie? And we were all like, no, dude. <laughs> They're not going to send them out there to go and chase hat tricks. It's super taboo in the NHL. The only time, well, the only time that they actually throw them out there is like if you know you're going to get an empty net. Yeah, and in a six-two game, not going to happen. You are not getting that opportunity. Nope. From vaguely sober. Absolutely. I need me some hudan. Oh yes, the hudan. I'm just going to say, here. quit your fucking pandering. <laughs> You got the Houdon homies outnumbering us today. The Houdon homies. But he's right. He's right. Yep. Unbelievable. From Brandon. AJ is so uncomfortable right now. <laughs> Never ever get to watch Avs lives because I live in Ontario. I picked a good day to work from home. Go Avs. Mac is nasty. Good game. GG. Yes. Yes. Or great game. Great game. In, You're right. In, in this case, it could be great. Yeah. Gorgeous game. Okay. It's too much. Mm-hmm. I have never been really good at closing out these things. So. It's kind of like closing a laptop. You just do it. Goodbye. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been.